and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Herb Shermer's 1967 UFO Encounter. And specifically, we have an article here from uh, the Nebraska, or the, rather the OmahaWorldHerald.com. And it talks about the uh, encounter that uh, Herb had in a uh, comic book, or what they call a graphic novel later, later that was written about it. Kind of an interesting article. Its title, it says, uh, and it's by Blake Ursh, World Herald staff writer, April 4th, April 4th, 2019. It says, a Nebraska cop's alleged UFO encounter lives on thanks to a graphic novel and a beer. And then it goes and it has a picture. It says, a panel from Mike uh, Chikorka's graphic novel, December 3rd, 1967, an alien encounter, which tells the story of Herb Shermer's alleged UFO encounter. Kind of a cool looking little book, actually. The article starts off, it says, The young patrolman took a drag from his cigarette, trying in vain to steady his nerves. Sitting in the small police station, mostly empty in the early morning hours, 22-year-old Herbert Shermer felt feverish and disoriented. He later recounted, His body felt completely drained. <coughs> His head buzzed and his thoughts raced. Did this really happen to me? As an officer with the Ashland Police Department, Schumer said, he had been trained to make notes of incidents in his log, whether whatever they might be. So there in the early morning quiet, he grabbed a pen and scrawled a short message in his notebook, summarizing the night's bizarre events. At 2.30 a.m., December 3, 1967, I saw a UFO at the junction of U.S. Highway 6 and Nebraska Highway 63, believe it or not. Shermer's gripping story of an alleged uh, alien encounter would ignite a firestorm of news coverage. Shermer would become a legend among UFO enthusiasts, and his tales of the spacecraft and its inhabitants would become ingrained in American folklore for decades. It says here, last week... Of course, this is last year. Broken Bow's Kincader Brewing Company released a new beer inspired by Shermer's story. The Star Snake Dank IPA became available statewide on Monday, and the brewery has been hosting UFO-themed events in Lincoln Grand Island and Broken Bow. It's crazy, Cody Schmick, co-owner of Kincader, said of the, Schmer, of the Shermer case. We've surprised a lot of people with this story. Kincader was involved has invited a Los Angeles-based illustrator, Mike Jasorka, to Nebraska to discuss his self-published graphic novel, December 3, 1967, An Alien Encounter, which chronicles Shermer's account. Jasorka first heard of the story after stumbling onto an audio recording of Shermer describing the night's events to an audience at a UFO conference sometime later. It was a patrolman's matter-of-fact delivery, Jasorka said, that captured his imagination. He had such a sincere voice and tone to his recollection, Jasorka said. I believed in his story, and it was every bit of the way he spoke about it. Jasorka's graphic novel, originally released in 2011 through his company, Bombshell Comics, uses Shermer's words to drive the narrative. The book was originally sold with a CD of the original recording, which the reader could listen to while following along with the comic. Shermer begins his story by telling the audience a bit about himself. A Nebraska native, he joined the Navy when he was 17 and served in Vietnam, although he didn't support the war. 
When he returned home, he sought a career in law enforcement and was soon hired by the Ashland Police Department. At 2.30 a.m. on December 3, 1967, after checking on two gas stations in the area, Shermer was driving his police cruiser along U.S. Highway 6 toward Nebraska 63. As he approached the intersection, he noticed an object with lights that appeared to be a truck hovering partly about above Highway 63 and partly above the shoulder, the World Herald reported on December 5th. Shermer drove toward the object, stopping about 40 feet away, illuminated by the high beams of his cruiser. Shermer could see the object was sleek and metallic, very shiny, he later said, like if you polished the bumper on a car. It was an oblong disc about 20 feet wide and 15 feet tall. Shermer later told the newspaper, Through exterior portholes, the patrolman could see red lights flashing inside the craft. So we have this craft 20 feet long, 15 feet tall, with illuminated windows, it sounds like, portholes along the side from which he could see red lights flashing. As he later said in an interview, the football-shaped spacecraft began to rise until it was about 50 feet off the ground. It then began to emit a loud beep, which became faster, louder, and shriller. Suddenly, Shermer said the spacecraft shot an orange-red beam toward the ground and quickly vanished. Shermer's initial account of the encounter ends there, with the officer approaching the craft only to see it rise and disappear. When he returned to the station, he later said the clock read 3 a.m., and Shermer felt he had lost about 20 minutes between the moment he first saw the spacecraft and arrived at the station. Shermer made the note in his log and began to tell his fellow officers what he'd seen. As the story spread, he volunteered to take a lie detector test, which he eventually passed, as Ashland Police Chief William Washington reported to the World Herald at the time. This is similar to what we see in the Travis Walton case. We have a person here who is willing to take a polygraph test and pass. And that really um, encourages me to believe what the person says because, as I've said before in the podcast, it's been my experience that these things are a lot easier to um, have a false fail. Say a person maybe is honest but they get nervous and they fail the thing than to have a false, a false positive. Easier to have a false negative than a false positive. These things are hard to beat and I Really, I really, I really do feel like the guy believes what he saw. Even so, once the press got wind of the story, the ridicule began. Shermer said he'd answered the phone to prank callers claiming to be from Mars. Once an owner of a local tire shop flagged him down in public to say, Herb, if you see another flying saucer and it lands, you tell them aliens I want to sell them a set of tires. Though some Ashland residents also reported seeing lights in the sky on December 3rd, the story had a share of skeptics. At least one local historian who lived near the site of the alleged encounter, Mrs. Donald Graham, as the World Herald referred to her at the time, said the lights Shermer saw were likely caused by a natural phenomenon. Yes, because she's an expert. Springs in the low meadow near the intersection had been known to produce fog, Graham told the newspaper. The headlights of passing trucks shining into the layers of fog sometimes create the illusion of round platters of light that moved and dipped in the tr- as with the trucks traveling along the highway. The area had a history of strange sightings, Graham said. One Native American legend held that it was plagued by spirits. Now, this is something that we see over and over again with these uh, UFO sightings. A lot of times they occur in areas that have a rich 
uh, oral history from Native Americans. The article continues, but the skeptics didn't deter Shermer, who stuck to his story. In fact, he had much more to say. Months later, in early, 19, in early 1968, the young officer began interviewing with the Condon Committee, a University of Colorado project funded by the U.S. Air Force that studied reports of UFO encounters. In a four-hour session, Shermer was hypnotized and asked about his sighting. Under hypnosis, he told a much longer story. He had not just seen the spacecraft, he had met with the beings inside it. Chief Walshen, who accompanied Shermer to the station, took notes that he later provided to the World Herald. Herb stated the alien form was a white was white and fuzzy, but stated it was shaped like a man. This subject was not hostile and stated they meant no harm. In the recorded interview from the UFO conference, Shermer said the humanoid exited the spacecraft and approached him in his police cruiser. It prodded the policeman with some kind of instrument, then spoke. Are you the watchman of this town? Shermer recalled the alien asking. And my response was, yes, sir. And he said, come with, we, come with me, watchman, Sherman said. The being then took him aboard for a tour of the spacecraft, which was at least two levels and was filled with lights, switches, cables, and other instruments. At times, Shermer recalled, the being appeared to communicate with him telepathically, with words Shermer didn't understand. The being explained the spacecraft had come to Ashland to harvest electricity, Shermer said. At one point, another being aboard the craft pushed a few buttons, and an antenna on the vessel on the vessel began absorbing electricity from nearby power lines. Shermer appears to have said have said the same under hypnosis to condom to the condom committee. Herb went on to say that what Herb went on to say that what electricity was used was returned. Walsh's notes read. In his account to the condom committee, Shermer said before departing, the alien beings told him that they would be in touch with him within the year. The committee investigated Shermer's account and later included its findings on the case and its published report. Researchers found no material traces of the spacecraft, discounting a small scrap of metal that Walshman found in the site the next morning. The intersection, was also, the intersection also tested negative for traces of radioactivity. Though a psychologist examining Sherman concluded the patrolmen sincerely believed the events he described, the investigators finally declared they had no confidence that the troopers' reported UFO experience was physically real. The condom committee would later apply the same logic to UFO sightings in general, concluding in 1968 that nothing has come from the study of UFOs in the past 21 years that has added to scientific knowledge. Some in Ashland continued to harass Shermer. At one point, a group of strung up at one point, a group strung up a life-size dummy in the local cemetery, painted Schumer's name on it, shot holes through it, and called in local emergency crews to respond to the scene. They thought they scared me, but they didn't, you see, Schumer recalled, because I thought it was kind of funny, and I laughed about it when I read it in the paper. Schumer eventually left Ashland, living for a time in the Pacific Northwest. He continued to make headlines in Omaha throughout the 70s when the World Herald noted his appearance in TV specials and books about UFOs. He died in 2017. But before he died, Shimmer contacted Jasorka after learning about the graphic novel. The two spoke a few times, and Shimmer told Jasorka that 
over the years had come to view his experience from a religious perspective. He was really a genuine person, Jasorka said. I think the encounter was still in his consciousness. Jasorka's book is dedicated to Shermer, and the artist said he believes the story. Such a sentiment might have been comforting to Shermer in the volatile period after the story appeared. In those days and weeks, he sought counsel from friends and family. In the recording, Shermer says he once asked his father, an Air Force veteran, whether he believed in UFOs. My father never said no, he never said yes. He just said, son, if you're telling the truth, stick with it, Shermer said. And so I stuck with it. And it has a few pictures here from the story. It's a very interesting story. It's just one of those cases where you have a person that was uh, abducted, and then they don't remember the abduction until after they've had uh, hypnosis through uh, regressions. They've, they've, been, they've, they've had some sort of hypnotic therapy done. Now, you know in the story he says that the aliens told him that um, they would come back and visit him again, but we're not told if he was ever abducted again. Chances are, I suppose if he was, he wouldn't have remembered it, or maybe uh, having undergone the hypnosis and that, um, the aliens felt like a, it wasn't a need to... Uh, deal with this guy again. I found it interesting how he describes the inside of the spaceship in very mechanical terms. He describes the wires, the levers, the buttons, the lights, all things that we would think of as a human if we were in a, in a machine that uh, was able to fly. But then he describes the alien who abducted him in very kind of obtuse terms. I mean, it, he describes it as a humanoid shape, fuzzy white light, almost like a ghost or spirit. So I have to wonder, his vision of this UFO, is that, what, is that how the UFO really actually appeared? Was it actually a mechanical device? Or was this just somehow a way that his mind made sense of it all? Because he certainly didn't see the alien, and there were two of them apparently, he didn't see them in sharp, contractual terms where he could define them specifically what they look like. <clears throat> Later on then, when he talked to the graphic artist, he said that he felt like he looked back at this thing in spiritual terms. And <clears throat> that's the big question about these UFO abductees. I mean, is this a physical, actual thing that happens, three-dimensional, where uh, we're dealing with materials that are physical materials like we would expect on planet Earth? Or are these things beyond that? Are they some sort of um, psychological or some sort of interdimensional experience this person's having? Where he's almost he's almost communicating. He says he's communicating these things telepathically. And so many times we hear about these people saying that they move through walls, their body roasts through the roof. It's almost as if their human form takes on a... Uh, a different form. You could call it a spirit form. I guess you could call it some sort of interdimensional form where they're able to walk through walls. That's not normal. I mean, for a human body to pass through a solid object. So if an abductee tells me that his human body can pass through a solid object, then I don't think it's too much of a stretch to imagine that what he saw as solid objects in that craft, those buttons, those levers, those lights, whatever, maybe that was just a mirage, an, an illusion that his mind created to deal with this alternate reality that he'd been placed in. 
What I like about this story, though, was a police officer, so he's automatically considered a reliable witness. I mean, if you call a police officer into court and they testify against you, you're in a world of hurt. He passed a polygraph test, and his entire life he never he never backed down from the story. So this story of Herb Shermer is, I think, a, I think a uh, an excellent account of alien abduction. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.